again, I want to thank you guys for being here, and happy Easter. I'll say it again. And I just want to thank Abby and the worship team for leading us this morning. Let's just show our appreciation to them. I'll tell you something that makes me feel really old is uh, I knew Abby when she was real little, just starting to pick up the guitar, and to see how God has used her is just so awesome. Uh, something else that makes me feel old, if you were here yesterday, you saw hundreds of kids that were here for our community Easter egg hunt. How many of you guys are out here for this? It was awesome. We had kids here. You'll see some pictures up here on the screen. Uh, we had the Easter bunny, and we had... And so, uh, so we're just excited that we're able to, to reach out to the community, and there was so many smiling faces. And uh, as I was watching these kids run around, it took me back to when my own kids would do that. They're older now, and uh, they might still enjoy an Easter egg hunt. I don't know, but we don't participate in those quite the same way. Uh, but I, I was brought back to the first Easter egg hunt that I ever experienced with my oldest daughter, Kira. Some of you guys know her. She's in college now. Uh, but you see over on the screen. I'll you ready? Let me get a hold Dora. Go ahead, go Kira. with Kira. Come here, baby. Oh. <laughs> Let's go find eggs. Right oh, this is freezing. We're right here. There's so many people. Look at her. Look at her. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Yay! <laughs> you see another one? Can I go in her basket? Yeah. Let's yeah, see some more. Can you see any more? She's like, what is this thing? Kira, is there one right here? You see one right here? <gasps> Look at my daddy's foot. Here, Kira. Can you put it in your basket? Put the egg in your basket. Put it in there. No. <laughs> she, she doesn't know there's another one. Do you want me to hold Kira, Dora for you? Kira, do you see this other egg Kira, right here? Kira, come here. Hi. <laughs> hey. You want to put it in your basket first? Put that in your basket? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Papa. <laughs> you want me to hold Dora? See? Oh, pretty. Can you put it in your basket? Can you put it in the basket? <laughs> Good job. How many more does she have? There's one up here. Right in front of her, but she's missing them. And I wonder how many of us are missing stuff in front of us all the time. It's right in front of us, but we keep missing it. This happens to me all the time, especially with my car keys. Anybody else relate to that? I can walk by and they're literally right in front of me. I want, Ange, where are my keys? I can't find my keys anywhere. Go all the way around the house, and they're right in front of me. And we're going to see this morning how some people weren't seeing what was right in front of them. Let me set this scene. Jesus had just died. And Friday, Saturday, Sunday, women come to the tomb, and they find the stone rolled away. Jesus isn't there. And they're told, he's risen. He's not here. In the very next passage of Scripture, if you want to follow along today, we're going to be in Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 13, we read this. Two days had passed. In the same day, 
So that same day, today, Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. So who are these two travelers? We're going to find out in just a few verses that one of their names is Cleopas, but the other doesn't get a name. But you guys all know Cleopas, right? I mean, you know, famous Cleopas? All those interactions with Jesus and Cleopas and the disciples and the Bible, you guys all know the stories of Cleopas, right? No. This is the only time his name's ever mentioned in the Bible. This is the only mention he gets. So what do we know about good old Cleo? Well, we know his name is Cleopas. And he was a disciple, a follower of Jesus. And that's about it. He and his companion were following Jesus. So who's the other guy? Well, actually, to be honest, we don't know that it's a guy. It very well could have been a woman, Mr. or Mrs. Nobody. Now, there's some thought that maybe this is Cleopas, Cleo, traveling with his wife. Who knows? The point is that there's two nobodies walking away from Jerusalem on Sunday. Jesus is risen, and they're leaving, and they're on the road to Emmaus. Now, Emmaus, there's some debate about where Emmaus is. This is the only place in Scripture that it's mentioned. There's no other time that this, this little village of Emmaus is mentioned. Archaeologists think they know where it is, but honestly, nobody knows for sure. If you've ever taken a trip to the Holy Land, you can walk the road to Emmaus with a tour guide. But an honest tour guide will tell you, we don't really know if this is it. We just think this is the road. And these two travelers are talking about what had happened. All that had happened on this weekend all that had happened before that, this teachings of Jesus, the miracles, the crowds, the beatings, and the crucifixion. And it was all over. They had been following this guy, anticipating and bringing freedom in a new kingdom. And then he was dead. He was dead. So they were headed out of town. The show was over. It was Sunday, and they were maybe heading home. They were walking away. They had been following Jesus, but at this point, he was dead, and they were walking away. They weren't out looking for Jesus on Resurrection Sunday. They had given up. So I want to ask you this morning, what's your Emmaus? It might not be a place, but maybe you've tried the whole following Jesus thing. You went to church for a while, but things didn't go like you thought they would, like you had hoped. As a pastor, I often hear people say, yeah, I tried the whole God thing, but it didn't do anything for me. So they try some other road. We actually sang about that this morning as we started service. I've searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. So what are you doing that's bringing you away from Jesus when you should be heading towards him? Why are they leaving Jerusalem and walking away from the risen Savior? Because they had given up. Think about this. They've been following Jesus, learning from him. They were with this guy. And months haven't passed. It's still Sunday, the same day. And they've already packed up and left. Let's continue on. It says, as they walked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. 
Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard all the things that have happened here the last few days. So they're walking along, talking about what had happened. They can't believe it's all over, and Jesus just casually walks up to them. Hey, what's up? You guys look kind of sad. What's going on? What are you guys talking about? But they'd already given up. They'd already walked away. They were already heading home. They weren't looking for Jesus, but Jesus was looking for them. Cleo and Mr. and Mrs. Nobody. Not the big names. Jesus decided to talk to these folks on the road. Not your Peter or James or John. Not going to the temple to try to show that he had risen to all the people there. No, Jesus meets up with two nobodies. Because God doesn't just seek out the important. You don't have to be somebody to be a somebody to Jesus. It doesn't matter what road you're on. It doesn't matter why you're there. Jesus will meet you there. It says they didn't recognize him. Jesus, right in front of them, they didn't recognize him. Now, wouldn't it have been awesome? These guys had given up. They're headed home. They believe it's over. Man, we thought it was going to be different. We had hoped it would be different, but he's dead. Three days, let's go home. And then, bam, Jesus shows up. Hey, what's up? I'm alive. I'm here. I've risen. I've risen indeed, as we often say. You might want to get their attention. I mean, what a way to make a statement, a miracle, something to grab these guys when they were down and low and get them back on track, get them back on the right road, a supernatural sign. But it says God keeps them from recognizing them. Why does God do this? Maybe he wanted them to be honest. I mean, think about it. Can you imagine if they did recognize him, knowing who he was? Oh, it's you. We, we knew you weren't dead. I told Cleo over here that you weren't dead, but he didn't believe me. He said, let's pack up and go home. But I knew it. I told you, Cleo, he's alive. Try to play it off. So Jesus kind of goes like undercover boss on them. You ever seen that show? He wants to keep them honest. He wants to see what's really going on. Because, of course, they would start acting different if they knew it was Jesus. I mean, in 20-plus years of ministry, I always get a, a laugh out of when I meet somebody new and I'm talking to them, and they're telling me about what they're going to do for the weekend. Maybe they're dropping some F-bombs or something. And then they find out I'm a pastor, and immediately they stop swearing. And they start working in, like, spiritual things into the conversation. So maybe Jesus is just trying to keep it real, right? He wants to see what they really think. But why didn't Jesus reveal it was him? We don't exactly know why, but I have an idea. I think it's because he didn't want to wow them. He wanted to woo them. He didn't want to wow them, some great display of a miracle. He wanted to woo them. See, how many of us are waiting for a miracle, for some sign in the sky that God is real, that he's doing what he says he's going to do? Wouldn't that make your life so much easier? If you could just see him. Just some grand display right in front of you. But he didn't just want to wow them. I've heard it said that God doesn't like to take the most efficient route. He doesn't always take the easy way, but he always takes the most effective. Sharon James in her article, When God Woos Your Heart, said this. said, he tunes the violin and pulls the bow across the strings of your heart and waits for you to recognize the melody wooing you into a relationship with him. He doesn't want to wow him. So back to the scene. 
says, then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about the things that have happened. What things, Jesus asked. They're astounded. How do you not know this? What things? The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. All this happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at the tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said the body was missing. And they had seen angels who told them that Jesus is alive. Some of our men, they ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just like the women said. Do you catch what Cleo is saying here? He was a prophet. We had hoped. They're speaking about Jesus to Jesus in the past tense. That's what they were talking about before Jesus showed up, the past how it didn't go the way that they thought it would, the way that they thought it should. They were dwelling in the past. Is your past keeping you from seeing Jesus? The things that are in your past, are they keeping you from seeing Jesus right in front of you? So many of us dwell in the past. Uh, there's a character from a movie that some of you guys might remember called Napoleon Dynamite. You guys remember this movie? It's considered a cinema masterpiece. If you've seen it, you probably know that's not true. But there's a character in it, this guy you see up on the screen named Uncle Rico. And he looks awesome, doesn't he? I mean, look at that haircut. He's a football star in high school, but he missed the big touchdown that would have made his career in his whole life. He's going on and on and on about how he should have been an NFL star and all these things that should have happened. But he's living in the past. Uncle Rico's stuck. And he's missing the life right in front of him. The love, the family, all these great things are happening because he's stuck in the past. Like so many of us, when things don't work out like we had planned, we lose hope and we get stuck in the past. D.A. Carson in his Luke commentary wrote this. He said, on the ironic journey to Emmaus, living disciples talk about a dead Jesus while the living Jesus speaks with lifeless disciples. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and the prophets, explaining all from the scriptures the things concerning himself. I mean, can you imagine this little Bible study that Jesus has with these guys? Remember, it's seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus. So if they're walking, normal pace, they've got a couple hours here with Jesus unpacking the scriptures. And what does he share with them? Things they had never heard before? No, the scriptures that they knew well, or they thought they knew well. He just opened them up and explained. He opened their eyes to see the things that they had missed or that they had not wanted to see the Messiah, the real Messiah. Not the one they thought was coming as a conquering king to take over Jerusalem, but a suffering servant who would give them real life. He went through prophecies that they had known their entire lives, all the way back to Genesis. He reminded them probably of the story of Abraham, 
sacrificing his son, getting ready to be willing to sacrifice his son, Isaac, on Mount Moriah, the very mount where just three days early, Jesus was crucified. But Jesus didn't want to wow them. He wanted them to understand. He wanted them to see him for who he really was. Not just the conquering king, not just the lion, but the lamb. They knew the scriptures. At least they thought they did. Just like the religious leaders who had put Jesus to death, they had the facts, but they only believed part of it, the part they wanted to hear. But faith in Jesus isn't gained by knowing things. It's by knowing Jesus. Here at Seymour Christian, we've had a verse that we've been using this year to help us shape our teaching. And it comes from Colossians. It's, for this reason, since the day we've heard it, we've not stopped cease praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him as you bear fruit in every good work and as you grow in the knowledge of God. It's not just knowledge, but spiritual wisdom, understanding, not just knowing about Jesus. These guys knew about Jesus, but they didn't know, they didn't see Jesus. So Jesus didn't show them a miracle. He showed them scripture, the very same scripture that we have. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus, it says, in the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he was going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. See, they still didn't recognize Jesus, but they didn't want this to end. They knew there was something special happening. They didn't know it was Jesus, but they knew they didn't want to be without this guy. See, our souls ache for Jesus. We can't always explain it. We don't even always recognize it, but we know it's there. We know there's something else there. When we experience Jesus, we don't want it to end. So he went home with them, it says, and they sat down to eat. He took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within an hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, the Lord is really risen. He appeared to Peter then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how he had recognized him. They had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. That was late. They had invited Jesus to stay because it was too late to travel on. But now, even though it's late, even though it was dark, they had to get back. They had to get back to Jerusalem right then. They realized that they had had it all wrong, that it wasn't over that Jesus was alive. And when their hearts were won over, when their eyes were opened to actually see Jesus, they couldn't wait. They had to go back now. So today, what road are you traveling on? Maybe you feel defeated. Things haven't turned out the way that you would hope. Your life doesn't look like how you thought it was supposed to go. You tried the whole life with Jesus, but it wasn't what you thought. You thought if you followed him, you'd be a success. 
You thought if you did the church thing or if you did more good things than bad things, somehow things would even out and you'd be blessed in life, that things would go better, that you'd get that promotion that you deserved or that you'd find the right husband, that you wouldn't be alone, that your pain would go away. But it didn't go like you had hoped. And you've lost hope because you lost the promotion. Your spouse left. They died. You weren't healed. So you walked away. What road are you on today? What's your Emmaus? You say, but I'm no one special. You don't know what I've done. You don't know my past. I'm stuck there. You don't know what I've done. There's no way that God could ever use me. For a bunch of reasons, you've given up. But he hasn't given up on you. Jesus is walking right beside you. Now, you might not fully recognize him, but he's walking with you. And for some of you, you know something's up. You've got this ache within you, just like those two travelers did. Didn't our hearts burn when he was talking to us? You've got this feeling you know something's out there, that you need something else in your life, this nagging sense that there's something better. And I want to make a suggestion to you today. That nagging sensation, it's just saying something's not right in my life. That's Jesus walking with you, waiting for you to be ready to recognize him. He's been walking with you the whole time. Like the eggs in front of Kira, she just couldn't see him, but they're right there the whole time. When I thought about that clip this past week, I remembered it differently in my head. You know how that can happen? I remembered that she was walking around everywhere and could never find any eggs. Now, she struggled for a while, but eventually she got it. But you know what the real point when I watched that video again this week was? She didn't care about the eggs. I don't know if you caught what she was saying, but she kept looking for her papa. She was just distracted by all the stuff we were doing, all the fun that was going on. She only cared about papa. It was his house. It was his yard. He had the camera. She just wanted to get to Papa. And that's the real lesson. We're chasing after eggs and missing Jesus. So are you waiting for some big sign to make a decision to follow Jesus? You don't need to wait for a miracle. You just need to see Jesus. Are you stuck in the past thinking your life can never be what God wants it to be? You'll never experience life with him. You don't need to live in the past. You just need to see Jesus. Maybe you've walked away because things didn't go like you thought they should, like you had hoped they would. But you need to get back. You need to see Jesus. You need to get back to Jerusalem. Stop walking away from God and get back. And maybe that starts with you being here today. Maybe this is the first time you've been at church in a long time. Maybe the first time ever. Maybe you're like those two travelers. You don't fully understand, but you know you want more. Walking with Jesus is like that. And if that's you, follow the cues of these two travelers. Ask him to stay. He will. He'll say yes. And you can do that today. So what does that look like for you? Maybe you're ready to accept Jesus as your Lord. 
You, you think you understand, you've come to see the risen Savior. You know that he died for you, that he rose for you. You can make that decision today to put your life in his hands, to see him clearly. Or maybe you still have some questions. Maybe you don't fully understand, but you've got this nagging sensation that there's something else out there. There's something I'm missing in life. Ask him to stay. He'll say yes. If you have some questions that we can help you with, we're going to have folks up front or back at our welcome desk after the service. An opportunity for you to just ask your questions. We want to help you to see Jesus. We're going to sing a song in a minute, and you can come up during that song. You can go back to the back. There'll be people there at the desk that can help you. But if you want to see Jesus, if you want to understand, he's not going to keep himself hidden from you. In just a moment, we're going to share in communion. And this is a time where we celebrate each week. It's a time that we remember his sacrifice. We remember Good Friday, if you were here on Friday. We remember the suffering that he went through. But we also remember today that he defeated the grave. That as we sang, he turns graves into gardens. And for those of us who have made that decision to follow Jesus, to walk with him on the road, we see him in this time. We see him in the bread that represents his body that was broken for us. We see him in the juice that we drink that reminds us of his blood that was shed for us on the cross. But there's another way that we see him. There's a reason that we do this together. Because he is in us. He's in you. If you are following him, he lives in you. We see him in each other. Because when you look around this room, you might see familiar faces, you might see perfect strangers. You might look over and see somebody you know and say, I can never be the spiritual giant that they are. You don't know my past. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I did 20 years ago. You don't know what I did last night. We take communion together to remind us that we've all been on the road. No matter what road we're on, we take communion together in community to remind us that no matter what road we're on, which direction we're heading, that if we're walking with Jesus, he's with us the whole way. This communion is a reminder of the amazing gift that's available to all of us. So I want to ask you to take out your emblems. And if you're following Jesus, this is an opportunity for you to be reminded to see him a little more clearly in the bread that we're going to take together. So let's take this, his body broken for us. And we see him in the juice, his blood that was shed for us, for our sins. Let's take this together. We see him in each other, the Holy Spirit living within us. We can see him more clearly. Doesn't matter your past, doesn't matter what road you've been on, he can show you who he is. He wants to show you who he is. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this time to just remember your sacrifice, remember your love, and remember the rest of the story, God. That the tomb, the stone was rolled away, the tomb is empty. And God, for those of us who maybe have been walking away from you, 
May this be a moment, God, where you grab a hold of us. Not in some supernatural way with some amazing big sign, but even in the moment, in the quietness of our heart, you tell us, God, God, you say to us, I'm here. Let me show you who I am. God, help us to see you clearly. God, for those of us who've been walking with you for our whole lives, may we not just become cynical and, and continue to walk and often even walk away from you because things didn't work out the way that we thought they should, but help us to see you walking with us clearly. God, help us to recognize you with us the whole way. And Lord, help, help us to run back to you, to not move away from you, but towards you. The egg's right in front of us. Help us to see you. Open the eyes of our heart to see you more clearly. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.